0: How quickly do you meet Muhammad Ali when you guys are dating?
1: Whoa, man. uh, I want to say it was probably four or five months after we were dating, man. And you talk about nervous. You know, it's it's one thing to meet the champ. Oh, man, we're going to see Muhammad Ali. I'm going to get his autograph. It's another thing to be dating his daughter, his baby girl, at that. And so I didn't know what to expect. You know, like man, this is—I mean, like this is the greatest of all time. But I'm dating his daughter, so it's it's a little different here. You know, I don't know what he's thinking, and we're grown. So you know what grown folks do. So it's just like—is he gonna be thinking that? Like I was all over the place with it, and I was really in a situation where I was like, okay, I hope he's done because this. I'm really ready to, like, walk, get up and, and walk on because, it you know, again, it was still Muhammad Ali. You know, it's one thing to go meet your girlfriend's father, but this is not the average man. And so, uh like I said, it was a little uncomfortable, but at the same time, uh, it was pretty awesome at the same time. The dude did magic tricks. Like, come on, dude, this, is, this is Muhammad Ali, and his favorite thing to do was magic tricks. Like, he wanted to have fun. He used to have toys. Like, we used to buy toys. He used to go to toys and get toys for him to play with. I got, a, I got a real cool picture. I'll show you next time I'm with you. I got a real cool picture when he came to our house uh, a couple years ago. He's sitting at the chair, and CJ was probably two going on three at the time, and he used to be in the Thomas the Train. Well, Muhammad pointed at the trains and, like, wanted the trains. So we went and took a couple of them. Two women put them on his table. And of course, CJ, you know, he still looks kind of a baby. He's looking like, nah, those are mine. And it's some it's so funny seeing both of them trying to put you like pull the trains toward them. Both of them. You got this little baby and you got Muhammad. Uh,
0: uh, you watched them. You cheered for them. Maybe you booed them. You listened to them. You were impressed by them. Today, they share their favorite memories with you. It's the Give Me A Sense podcast. Here's your host, Mike Yav. Well, a big reason why I wanted to start this show is to tell a lot of the stories that I hear off of set or outside of the studio, because there's so many that I've heard over the course of the last few years. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I can't thank you enough, obviously, for downloading it, subscribing on iTunes, not to mention the feedback on on Facebook, at Mike Yam, uh, or at Mike underscore Yam, if you're following following me on Twitter, has always been greatly appreciated. But one of the reasons why I wanted to start this show is with our next guest in mind, because we have spent years together at the Pac-12 Network. Um, I'm fortunate enough to call him a friend. You know his work as an NFL wide receiver, an All-American wide receiver at USC. It's Curtis Conway. Seaway, it is always a pleasure uh, to talk with you. And now we're actually doing it where we're being recorded.
1: That's <laughs> all good, yeah. You know how we do it
0: absolutely you know it's you know Seaway it's it's real the timing of this is crazy because I started this podcast a couple months ago and before I even started recording shows I had reached out to you and I said hey Seaway love to have you on the show and you said yeah of course whenever you need me and I said yeah a little bit of a twist though I don't know if I necessarily want to talk to you at least the first time around about football and I think you <laughs> might have paused for a second and the reason be- reason why I wanted to go there is because you and I have swapped so many stories Well, you tell me stories about how it is to play football because I never played uh, at the NFL level and certainly at the college level. But I always said to you that whenever you tell me about uh, Muhammad Ali – your face just lights up. You're so engaged when you're telling those stories. And I don't know how many people realize this, but you are the son-in-law of Muhammad Ali because your wife is Layla Ali. And I don't know how many people realize that when they're watching our coverage on Pac-12 Network. Uh, That said, you always tell me great stories. So I can't appreciate uh, your time enough. And I had said to you, hey, do you mind coming on? Of course you had agreed to do so and then we were scheduled to record and the timing was crazy and then Muhammad got sick um, essentially the week we were supposed to record and, and um, I know the timing wasn't great and I've had so many people reach out to me and ask me how you're doing, how Layla's doing and I know just from these these last few weeks um, just in general, whether it was going to the funeral or being a part of the Espies where that was that great tr- tribute, I know you have to be overwhelmed by, by all of the support that's been coming your way and the way of, for your family.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, Mike. Uh, when you when you look at Mohammed, man, and, you know, all the people that text and called. I, I mean, literally after about 45 minutes of the news being public, I had about 100 text messages. And wow. I just got to the point where I couldn't return them all. And by the time I got to Louisville, which was two days after that, I had about 165, and I remember looking at that 165, and I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to be able to return all these, man? So to just from the people that knew me and had my number was overwhelming, let alone the people around the world who, you know, sent Facebook messages and just to Layla and myself, it it was really, it was really, really a good feeling to see how many people really loved Muhammad from all different races and religion was totally amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hey, you know, I'm, I guess I'm lucky because I, I got a call back from you. So you reached back out to me. So I appreciate <laughs> right. that. Uh, Siway, let me let's start at the beginning, though, because I, I want to talk about, you know, not dive too deep into your relationship with Layla Ali. But how, how in the world do you meet her? Like, I always joke with you, hey, when you're big time and obviously you, you're playing, you know, a bunch of years in the NFL and, and people know, obviously, your skill set as a football player. You just roll in different circles. But I'll say this uh, you're, you know, about you. You're a really private guy. And maybe yeah. that was, I do don't—I would assume that was always how you've been, you know, I don't necessarily think of you as this huge party guy, I think of you as, um, you know, kind of a homebody in, in a lot of ways, right. you know, want to always go outside those red carpet events, I think you almost feel awkward in those situations, maybe that's not the best way, but I don't know if you like the limelight, I think you're comfortable when you're in front of the camera, I think you have to be, especially for the job that you do now, but I think you're okay without the attention.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely okay without the attention, man. Everything that I do, I do it because I love it. You know, whether it was playing football, I never did it for the money, I never did it for the fame, or the the camera, it was just because I love it. And even now, um, you know, being on TV is just I love the game of football, and the only other thing I would want to do is coach, and, but they put into too many hours. And like you said, <laughs> I'm a homebody, so I like to be at home with the family. But to answer your question, um, I met Layla. It was, it was kind of a weird situation because I had a, a fight party where I just invited kind of like close family and, fr- and close friends to the house to watch a fight. And Layla just so happened to be doing business with a friend of mine who invited her over. And, you know, of course, me, I have no game when it comes to talking to women. So, uh <laughs> You know, she 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 shows up and and I wasn't there when she got there. Mike, I actually uh, got home and it was a lot of people at my house.
0: So you're a late and, arrival to your own party that's being held at your house.
1: Well, it was it was family, so it wasn't I wasn't worried because like people that were there, they were family, so it didn't matter. Uh, you know who who uh, that I wasn't there or not because most of the people there had been there already, and I was comfortable not being there while they were cooking and you know kind of handling business, and um, when I walked outside in the backyard, I was uh, saying something to one of my buddies, and Layla had her back turned toward me, and as I called my buddy, she turned around, and I was like, oh, my God, that can't be her, and I played it off so cool, man. I kept talking to my guy. I turned around and went back in the house, and uh, the whole day went by, the whole night, rather, and I probably talked to her for about five minutes just to kind of see if she was okay, if she was comfortable, you know, being the host of the fight party, especially to someone that had never been to my house. And uh, it was funny, as she was leaving, she said, listen, if you ever want somebody to redecorate this house, and I was like, okay, give me a call. And I was like, that just totally flew over my head, right? Like I said, no game, went over my head. But as she was leaving, I saw my buddy, and I wrote down my number, and I said, look, give her my number. I don't care if she tears it up right in front of your face. I don't care if she doesn't call, but there's no way this woman could have been in my house, and I didn't give her my number. So to make a long story short, she ended up calling the next day, claiming that she left her phone at my house. <laughs> and so – uh You know, I was like, how did you, you didn't leave your phone here because you're you're calling. She was like, well, I'm on my house phone. So I looked all over my house while she was on hold, couldn't find the phone. And then as I was looking, we started conversating and we ended up actually meeting again that day over a friend of mine house who uh, was given a a, a little cookout and she was invited, I was invited. And and that's where we really kind of meshed at that point. We spent pretty much the whole day getting to know each other and we're both homebodies so we end up you know talking every day trying to hang out as much as we could and 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 that's uh the rest of the (laughs) rap
0: would she tell the story the same way
1: yeah, but she will. She loves to add the fact that she scooped me up. That's her. You know, <laughs> she she loves to tell that story. You know, because I gave her my number, so I'm like, I'm thinking that uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. My, it was me. It was me, and then she was like, No, I scooped you up. The women choose the men. Always remember that. So she would tell a slightly different, but it, it did happen in that order.
0: Is, is it intimidating for you? Like, you throw out that phrase, you have no game, which I, I think most people would, would find that hard to believe. But it's one thing when it's, I don't know, your you're, you're big time for, were you By the way, were you playing at that point still, or were you done? No, I was done. You I were definitely done. At okay. just,
1: it was right after my last, I met her the summer after my last season.
0: Okay, so. 2005 this isn't exactly like you meeting someone out this is this is another star i mean this is layla ali are are you intimidated at all just knowing you know what she's able to do in the ring no i wasn't
1: um i was really mesmerized by her beauty i mean if you remember that movie weird science yeah yeah and they and they and, and they made that woman if i had to do that, it would be Layla. And so when I saw her, it was just like, whoa. I mean, I've seen her before in magazines and stuff, but to see her in person was like, she was stunning. I mean, she was tall like I like her. I mean, everything, everything about her physically, because I didn't know her, but everything physically was, you know, right on point. So the boxing never crossed my mind. I was just like, God, she, she's a beautiful woman. So I wasn't really intimidated at all. I didn't really think about the boxing, to be honest with you.
0: Do you remember going to, to see her fight, that first time?
1: Yeah. Yeah, the what first was, time I saw her like? fight, man, it was crazy. Like, literally, we had spent about six, seven months together before she fought. And I had got to know the nurturing, sweet, you know, still <laughs> strong in public, but at home, she was really sweet. Like she, it was shocking to see how really nice and sweet she was. To the point to, I remember telling her one day, like, like you kind of a cream puff, and she kind of like what? She's like, no, you're really nice, and she was like, well, you know, I, I, I bet you, you seem pretty nice, but I bet you, you're not the same way on the football field. You know, when I'm in the ring, I'm 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 the boxer. When I'm out of the ring, I'm I'm a lady, and so going to the fight. I never forget, man. We we go to New York, and I tell her like, look, I'm gonna get my own room. I know you got to focus, and she was like, no, you're staying with me. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I get there, she had a suite, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna sleep in there on, on the couch. She was like, no, you're sleeping with me. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and like, she was still that person. All of a sudden, man, um, the night before she before weigh in, she's getting her hair braided, and I'm like, okay. You know, we, we're conversating, and we go to the weigh-in, Mike. And when I mean she turned into little Muhammad Ali, like she was talking trash. She was, like, just – and I'm like, who is that? Like, I've never seen this person before. But it was she was getting into fight mode, man, and uh, it was pretty incredible. The next day watching her fight, I was so nervous because it was like watching your kid play. Like, you want to be out there. You want to be in control. And I just didn't, you know, this was my first time watching her fight. So I was really, really nervous. I really wanted her to win. Uh, she ended up winning the fight. And I would say the 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 biggest turn on for me was to watch her in there, handle her business in her sport, and to go in the locker room after the fight, hit that switch, turn on some, you know, turn the switch back on to Layla. The one I was with for like six months and become that person again. That was really a turn off for me that she was able to go that extreme, man. And from that point on, I, I mean, I was in love at that point.
0: Wow. Do you guys, relationship wise, does it progress really quickly?
1: Um, you know what? I think so because we're so much alike in a sense. We don't like the limelight. We love what we do. We're both homebodies. We both like being up under each other. And so it was one of those deals where, you know how most relationships at the beginning, you're with each other all the time. Well, we're still like that to this day. Like we love being up under each other to the point to where if she's out of town and it's late and I'm like, babe, you know, you can just just stay the night and come home in the morning. She's trying to catch the next thing smoking. And as you know, when we're on set, I'm
0: mm-hmm. hurrying
1: up. I mean, I've, I've been on the set where we've gotten off and I've made it, you know, made it to the airport and got on the plane in for 45 minutes. That's how yeah. much we uh, we like being with each other. So it, it, it did progress pretty fast. Um, but, you know, kind of, you know, once you're around somebody a lot, you know if that person is the person for you. And I think we both felt that way.
0: Yeah, I, I can attest. I'm going to throw you under the bus, though. Hopefully, maybe Layla will listen to this. You you're happy to spend time with us in our Adidas touchdown room on Saturdays, but I know you have your that's your cheat day. There's some candy that's that's flowing yeah. that, might not, that you might not be having when you're, <laughs> you're you're at home. And the other thing, I'll say this: you 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 book out. I mean, when you're trying to catch a flight, I've seen you you know, uh, taking off the makeup and you have that Lyft or that Uber, whatever you're taking, waiting for you right outside the studio so you can get home and and, uh, and see your family. And I know you're obviously a huge family guy. And see, wait, part of the reason why I asked you if you guys moved quickly is because I'm wondering, how quickly do you meet Muhammad Ali when you guys are dating?
1: Whoa. Man, uh, I want to say it was probably four or five months after we were dating, man. And you talk about nervous, you know, it's it's one thing to meet the champ. Oh man, we're going to see Muhammad Ali. I'm gonna get his autograph. It's another thing to be dating his daughter, his <laughs> baby girl at that. And so I didn't know what to expect, you know, like, man, this is, the, I mean, like, this is the greatest of all time, but I'm dating his daughter. So it's, it's a little different here. You know, I don't know what he's thinking and we're grown. So you know what grown folks do. So it's just like, is he gonna be thinking that? Like I was all over the place with it, and I never forget, man. When I got there, uh, we 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 go in, and he was doing. Um, he was actually here in L. A. And he was over. He was with his uh his agent, and so he was doing some um, some stuff with him. And Layla, we walk in. I'm behind her, and he kind of looks by her, like to me, and I'm like okay. And then Layla's like, yeah, dad, that's my boyfriend. And I was like, dang, what did I just get myself into? And literally, man, after that, she hugged, she kissed him. And then of course, she moved around the room, introduced me. And like, I sat down, man, and he broke the ice. Like, he he made me feel within a minute's time, like I've been knowing him for 20 years. It was just, it was, it was. I was so nervous, man. He immediately took that away, and from that point on, man, it was just, it was, it was just overwhelming for about three weeks to just know that, like, wow, like this dude is, like, he's a regular dude. At the same time, he's not a regular dude, you know. But uh, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome, man. Like, I, I, I'll never forget that moment.
0: Does Layla give you a heads up on? What the experience might be like? Because I'm thinking back to you ever see Bad Boys Two with Will Smith, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence? Oh yeah. You remember that scene where the door
1: scene, the front door scene?
0: Exactly. (laughs) Like you know, Will and Martin come out and they have guns ready to go for this teenage boy ready to take out Martin Lawrence's daughter. (laughs) But it's Muhammad Ali. He just holds his hands up. I would think those are those are his weapons of choice. But does she give you any indication on on what what it could be like that first time when you meet him?
1: No, not at all. I mean, she just kept saying, "I want you to come visit my dad. I want you to meet my dad. I want you to meet my dad." And uh, I was just like, uh, "I mean, I actually are you, he are you torn?" I, I no because there's gotta I, be part I mean, of was, you
0: that says boy you i get to go and meet the champ but another part as you just alluded to i'm with his daughter i don't know if i want to meet the champ
1: right you know what I, w- I wasn't torn i was just super nervous because i knew at some point just because of where we were at this point in our relationship i knew that i wanted to you know be with her i knew i wanted to uh get serious with her, and I knew at some point that was going to happen. I just didn't know what to expect because, you know, normally, again, this is a champ, so if you go visit, like, say you go to an autograph session or you going somewhere that a celebrity, most of the time you're going to get an autograph, and that's, you know, it was so much more than that. This is a champ. I know I wouldn't have been able to sit down with the champ and spend that kind of time with him if I wasn't going to meet him as my wife's, well, as Layla's boyfriend, so that that was the... What is this going to be like? Because it's not going to be shake your hand and leave. I'm going to have to sit there and talk to this guy. And Lord knows what kind of questions he's going to ask. So it wasn't, I wasn't nervous. It, I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't torn. I was just, I would say, a little nervous because I didn't know what to expect.
0: What were those initial conversations like? Is he asking you about the NFL, where you grew up, family? I mean, what, what, is, what does he bring up to you? You really
1: want to know that question. (laughs) You know what? When we sat down, and I don't think he knew how long we were dating, he said, are you guys planning on having any babies? Wow. And I literally almost (laughs) fell out the couch. Is
0: she around for that part?
1: No, no, she wasn't around. Like I said, she had started mingling with the rest of the people there, and it was just us, and I was like, uh... I'm not sure yet, <laughs> you know, uh, it was oh, just, man. I mean, I was stuck, like literally, and he started kind of smiling at me, like almost like, yeah, I got you. And again, man, it was just, it just went from that, you know, to, you know, he, he, he didn't, you know what? He never asked what I did. He never, I mean, he never asked my profession or anything. It was just kind of like, we talked about just different life stuff and, and the relationship with his daughter and, that was pretty much it like it didn't go it didn't go that far of course i didn't want it to go that far so i was short with my answers and i was really in a situation where i was like okay i hope he's done because this i'm really ready to like walk get up and, and walk on because it, you know again it was still muhammad ali you know it's one thing to go meet your girlfriend's father but this is not the average man and so uh like I said it was a little uncomfortable but at the same time uh it was pretty awesome at the same time.
0: What are those moments that you'll and I'm sure the last few weeks you've you've had a lot of time to think about some of the interactions that you guys have had. What what are some of those moments that you'll never forget?
1: Oh man, just I remember one time, you know, some time had went by and you know, it's just like anything else. You get used to whatever, whether it's your, your wife, your car, you kind of start to take things for granted. And he, you know, he went from Muhammad Ali, the greatest, to becoming Paul. So I was so used to being in his presence and being around. And I remember one day we went out to Arizona where he was living, and we were all sitting in the family room, and he had this footage of himself, and he was watching himself. And I go in there, I sit down, and it's just me and him. And I'm watching the TV, and then it was almost like I couldn't control my my neck. Like, every five minutes, I would go from the TV, look at him, TV, look at him. And I was like, wow, like, that's him. That's my father-in-law. Like, I'm the bridge between him and his grandchild. Like, all these things just started to hit me, and the importance of really, really knowing who this man is is you know it it just became one of those moments where my kids didn't really care to them it was Paw. and i would be the one to have to sit them down explain to them who this man is or was at that point i would never forget that moment because it was just crazy to see the things that he was doing back in the day and i'm sitting here right next to the same man who was standing up who was telling people to be you um, just when, when African-American men were afraid to talk, I mean, he was on live TV, you know, in front of everyone's face doing just that. And that was so amazing to have that kind of courage to do that in a time where, you know, basically we were told to be quiet. It, it was just overwhelming, man. It was crazy. I, I will never forget that. I think that was probably the highlight. Even even meeting him didn't match up to that day because it was, it was surreal.
0: Uh, I, there's so many places I want to go with with your response there. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll start with the family aspect. What's we know? I, I got it after he passed away. I mean, I can't even tell you how many tributes I've seen, articles that I've read about it. I mean, the insight that you can provide is is unlike anyone else. What's he like as a grandfather?
1: Love. I mean, he loved people. He loved. The kids he loved when we came around, he just lit up like he, you know, as you all. I mean, most people know he he loved to be around people. He was really a people's person. And so to see him light up when we came around was, was amazing. You know, um, you know, I remember when my, when my son was born, my son looks just like him and I remember, uh, coming in the house. One time we were visiting, and CJ was in front of me, and as he's walking in the family room where Muhammad always was sitting in his chair, all of a sudden he looks because he's seeing who's coming in, and his eyes got so big, and he pointed at CJ, and then he pointed at Layla, and I remember Layla saying, "Yeah, that's your grandson, that's your twin," and if you would have just, I mean, it was just like, I mean, he just lit up. It was it was crazy. Um, and from that point on, man, like when the family's around, whether it's just us or when it's all of us, you know, that's when he, you can really see like, man, he was happy when, when, when his kids were around and when his grandkids was around and that was, that was Muhammad. You know, uh, if I had to describe him in one word, it would be love because he loved all people, no matter what race you were, what religion you, you were, it didn't matter. It really didn't. And, uh, as you look at his journey. You know, you saw spots where he stood up and some people didn't like him early on because of what he was standing up for, but he was standing up still for what was right. No matter what people or who he was defending or who he was standing up for, it was still for less fortunate people that were being taken advantage of. And that was always what he did, no matter what the situation was.
0: I think one of the coolest things about a lot of the tributes the small minority of the tributes have to do with what he did in the ring. The vast majority of the conversation centered around everything that he did away from boxing. He's one of the few athletes, and I don't know if there's another I, – I don't know, Seaway, and you've been – you know, you're older than I am. You've been you, – heck, you're an NFL wide receiver. You You've been around athletes, some of the greatest athletes. I don't know if there's another athlete that you can point to that used sports and fame – to affect change like he did. I, I think it's unparalleled. I don't think there's even another comparison out there. And yet you're in this unique situation where, you know, people have these experiences, right? They've experienced them themselves or been around family members and they've heard the stories, but then to get their take on what's happening, I mean, from a social standpoint itself, what were some of those hard moments that, that he had that maybe the public just wasn't all that aware about?
1: What do you mean by hard moments? Um,
0: i would i would say just knowing that in a lot of ways you know he's he's a target uh you know from i would say even the government to to -hmm. to people who just didn't like him had nothing to do with boxing the messages that he was trying to to pass along i mean that's got to be really hard to be attacked the way that he was when all he was trying to do was affect change and do what he thought was right
1: well, when you, when you look at it, Mike back in those days when he was really hated, first of all, you know it was a, it was a, it was a really really tough time in the South for for African Americans, let alone an African American man. And here you got this man who is talking about number one. I mean, he's he's literally in their face. I mean, there's footage of him literally in white man's face telling them what they're doing that you know first of all that right there is enough to get everybody stirred up uh in that time you know he was talking about black is beautiful when everybody was putting blacks down and he was up trying to uplift us as a race and of course no one you know people didn't like that because we were supposed to be in our place and here you got this loud mouth, african-american young man at this he wasn't 35 or 40 years old mature man this is a young kid basically telling the government where to go telling people where to go and it was simply because it was about equal rights and you know he got death threats you know he didn't but but he didn't care and you know it's amazing mike how and, and i want and i want to make this clear that it's amazing how people say they We wish we had more athletes like Muhammad Ali. I'm going to actually take a little pressure off the athletes. Muhammad Ali wasn't just an average athlete or an average person, and here's why. How many people you know, forget athletes, but how many people you know will actually give up everything for the cause, for their religious belief? Now... that's that's not a normal person. Like this, like he, he, to me, I I mean, he was a prophet in my opinion just because of that. Like today these athletes have hundreds of millions of dollars and people keep saying, well, back in that day was something to stand up for. Well, today, right now, we know there's still something to stand up for and not just, you know, getting on the stage talking. He was on the front line and he was really giving everything up. So, when you look at that, like, Muhammad was broke. Like, they took his license to box in the prime of his career. He couldn't do anything else. And so he was on Broadway doing plays. Like, I, you know, for me, and then to still stick with that, like, he could have easily just gave in and said, I'll do it. But he didn't. He didn't. And so it, it really takes someone super special to do that. Like, back in the day, you know, he had $10 million in, in, in fights. That he lost when he lost his boxing license and you go back there and that's a lot of money can you imagine somebody saying you know what i'm not going to take a hundred million dollar contract for the calls today i doubt that and that's why i don't really put too much pressure on athletes to be what muhammad or do what muhammad did because i just think he was a special human being on this earth like somebody who's traveling the world and don't care about money and all he cares about people and all he wants to do is promote love It was never really as much as you saw the camera and you felt like it was about him when the camera was off his spirit and who he was he knew it wasn't about him and and that's what i love more than anything that's why i never talk about the boxer stuff with us man because he really loved people and he really wanted everybody to be happy you know he was a very sensitive man and i didn't know that until layla told me like he would cry at the drop of a dime because he was that sensitive Not in a weak way, because people think when you see a man crying, you think of weakness. Well, this man felt like he can whoop any man in the world in the ring, so you knew it wasn't a weakness. He stood up and went to jail. He stood up for his rights. All so you knew it wasn't a weakness. But that sensitivity was for people. He wanted. He hated to see people hurt. He hated to see poverty. He hated to see it, and that's why I think he did everything he did because he was sent here for that reason. And you have to be sensitive to people in order to be able to love the way he did, man. And and so with that being said, it's not about, you know, most sports and most uh, athletes, especially in boxing, you walk around with this macho attitude and this tough attitude when really the real strength is in your sensitivity and being able to be selfless and love people, man. And like, that's what I got from him. You know, it's it's okay for a man to cry, but at the same time, he's still going to stand up. You got a lot of tough guys out there not going to stand up for the cause. And he did that. So those are the kind of things that I remember. I mean, I kind of challenged myself to even be more effective in the community and not for money, but to give your time. You know, one of his sayings is your rent on earth is service to people. You know, and everybody, and I'm not knocking anybody for making a living off of serving people, but Muhammad didn't, he didn't make any money off of serving people. He made money in the ring and what he did in his free time, he actually got out there and served people. And that's what I try to do uh, more so now at this point, man, is, you know, people need your help. And if you can lend it, everybody don't have the money to afford to be able to, you know, get what they need from whether it's a store or get from you. And if you can lend that to someone, I mean, how how, how amazing is that? I mean, it's to me, it's incredible.
0: Seaway, what do you think... Maybe you've had this conversation or had the conversation with with Muhammad. But what what do you th- of all the accomplishments socially that he was able to achieve? What do you think he was most proud of?
1: You know what, Mike? I I wish I could answer that. I don't know. I mean, when you, that that would be a hard one. I think, even, and I don't know. I don't know that answer. But he's done so much, yeah. like for people. I don't think boxing would be in the top 5. I mean, there's a lot of footage out there and a lot of documented things that he's done, but there's a lot of things that no no one knows about that he did when the cameras wasn't rolling and, and and you know, those are the things that I learned about just through being in the family. You know, Layla used to tell me like they would go places and he would literally pull over and see a homeless person and sit there and have a conversation with the homeless person, like not just drop and give him a couple bucks, but sit there and have a conversation with people. And, and they'll be in the car waiting like that. Come on. But this is the kind of man he was. And then people would come, you know, people would notice him and come up to him as he's talking to a homeless guy. And he would basically tell them, like, like, hold on, like, look, I'm right here with this this gentleman right here. And have a conversation with him. And he just knew that his presence and him being able to uplift people made them feel good. And you know, I'm pretty sure he has a ton of those stories, but man, I've heard so many things that that's not documented that he's done. It would be hard, for me, let alone him, I think to to isolate one and say this was my favorite moment.
0: Last couple weeks, and and I, got have to imagine that when you were down in Louisville, that that was overwhelming to hear and see the amount of support. We started off the the podcast that way, and and I know you touched on it a little bit, but was there something that that struck you about the service itself that maybe you you didn't necessarily expect? I, I, I think... Fans who are watching, and I know I was watching on TV. I mean, you see all the star power and the famous people, but yet on the flip side, you just tell me—you told me a story about how he'd pull over his car and and go and talk to a homeless guy on the street for you know a half hour, whatever the case may be. I Just wondering what stood out to you, knowing him as a person, that that you'll maybe take away from some of those services.
1: The power of love. I mean, I, I, I can. To me, being at the service. And seeing the Jewish rabbi speak, you know, uh, all the different religions in one room hugging for one man. Like, he brought that together. Like, he brought all races and religion and rich and poor and people from different parts of the world all came because they wanted to be a part of that. There were people that couldn't even get in that came from out of the state and out of the country that just wanted to be around that building all because of the love that Muhammad showed. And, and, and and like, if you couldn't learn anything from anyone else, like this man in terms of who he was, like it doesn't get any tougher in terms of, you know, uh, perception, the heavyweight champion of the world with a big mouth, you would think ego, toughness, strong, you know, Selfish, but yet and still, this man brought all these people from around the world in one building for that period of time, hugging. Because, like, once the service was over, you saw everybody in the back hugging and talking and talking about what we need to do for this world to be a better place just because of Muhammad Ali. And this wasn't a group of Christians or a group of Muslims or a group of, of any different uh, race it was all people at that moment sitting there hugging and talking about who this man was and what we need to do. And it's all about love and the basis of our religion is love and love, 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 love. And that's, I mean, that was, you know, that was incredible to me to see that. Like, cause you know, when you look at the history of man and I don't know, maybe somebody out there can educate me, but, I don't know of one man that's walked this earth that was able to bring together all religions, all races. It didn't matter in one spot for love. Like I hadn't seen it. I don't know about it. Maybe it's out there, but that was pretty incredible to to see that, especially in a time where, you know, things are going on and, you know, you know, African Americans and, and the police, and then the Muslims. You know, the radicals doing different. You know, bombing and all this stuff going on. To see all that love in that, in that one building at that time, man, was I, I would never forget that. That showed me that it can be done, but we have to be like Muhammad. We have to be selfless. It can't be about your you being powerful because the most powerful thing that day showed that is love. That's how powerful it was. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about fame. It wasn't about nothing other than the fact that Muhammad loved people, and people loved him.
0: See way, I'm going to take a little bit of a right turn here because while you're speaking, I'm I'm thinking about how you are, and I'm thinking about a story you just told me a few minutes ago about that time you you sit down and you, you're in the room and you you're looking at Muhammad, look at himself in terms of watching old footage and your your head's going back and forth and i i i can relate to that experience because i spent the last what four or five we're going into year 5 that uh, last four years Every single Saturday, I sit right next to you. We have the same spots. It's not assigned seating, but for whatever reason, you <laughs> and I sit next to each other every Saturday while we're watching yep. football. And a lot of times, we have eight monitors up in front of us, and you played the wide receiver position as well as anyone else. And I sometimes catch myself watching you watch the games and and picking up different things and then you'll turn to me and say hey you see what happened on this play this is what makes him great and it's just a lot of the the small stuff and i'm wondering while you're watching muhammad watch some of his old fights and i don't know if this is like this do you still watch any of your old games at all does that ever happen i
1: don't you know you know what i don't um I was never, uh, you know, I was, it was never, I, I never was into watching myself. Like even on TV, I, I rarely watch our show. You know, if I want to go and critique something or I felt like I had a bad show, I may go. But back to watching. I, I, yeah, I've never been, I've never watched myself do anything really.
0: Well, and that, I guess that's the point because I had a feeling you don't go to watch other than to critique. But if you do see some old footage, right? I mean, we've played them on, on some of our shows to looking at some of those uh, returns for touchdowns that you've had over the course of your career. Do you find yourself as a a former pro athlete critiquing your own performances while you're watching it? Or do you sit back and just say, hey, I, I remember that and just take it for what it is?
1: Uh. I kind of take it for what it is. Um when I watch certain things um which is rare cuz mostly they're mostly highlights. So yeah. of course I kind of sit back and it's like, "Man, you know what? I, I wasn't that bad." <laughs> you know, I'll say something <laughs> like that. Like I was, you know, I wasn't that bad. But um it's it's rare that I actually will watch a game and 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 be able to critique. So most of the time I see myself like you said as when we're on the set or you know, someone's playing a highlight on TV, which most of the time is a pretty good play. So uh, it's rare that I critique myself. And trust me, in the NFL, that's all you do is you go back and you watch tape, you watch tape, you watch tape. And it's rare that you watch the good things, you know, because you're constantly trying to get better. You always go back and you're like, man, you know, I caught this ball, but he was too close to me. What could I have done to to get, you know, get open a little more? You know, those are the kind of things that when you're playing, you do so much of that to where – I don't know about people now, but I know for myself. Once I left the game, it was it was no it wasn't about me going back and trying to relive the day of playing football. It was more so trying to move on and figure out, you know, what I'm going to do with my next career.
0: The reason why I bring that up is, I'm curious what you think Muhammad was doing while he was watching some of that old footage of those fights. You know, is it taking it all in? Is it what could have been different? I, I, Look, I mean, I don't know if you actually know if you had a conversation with him or you just found yourself watching, or, or you know, if you can even just speculate what, what that environment or what's going, what do you think was going through his mind while he was watching? <laughs>
1: uh, at that time, we, you know, when we were watching, uh, we wasn't conversating. Of course, you know, everybody knows he has Parkinson, so it was times where he, he wouldn't talk, he would just show expressions on his face. And uh, in that moment, you know, knowing Muhammad and from what I've heard of of him back in the day, you know, he was probably saying, I'm a bad man. (laughs) I'm a bad man. I'm a bad man, you know, because he was, man. Like, it's, 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 you know, he he worked his butt off, man. And that was another thing that I, I found out is, you know, as much as people talk about, you know, the stuff that was on camera when the camera was off, like, the dude worked nonstop. So... Um, he he definitely worked for everything, man. But I would have to say, Mike, he he real. I mean, he knows he's a bad boy. So that, that that I have to think that's probably what was going through his head.
0: So cool. So many great moments. Fantastic stories. Seaway. Uh, before we let you get going here, I I know that this must have been a really hard time for you over these last few weeks, but also obviously for your family and specifically Layla. Is there is there a story that resonates from her that she told you maybe recently or or maybe a long time ago that that stands out about Muhammad Ali being her father.
1: Um I, it was a big impact on the person she is now like Layla's very private she she doesn't let people in her personal space because growing up Muhammad like I said he was a people's person and she would always say, like, any given day, it could be 20 people at her house, like, just hanging around and people she's never seen before. And, you know, to the point to where she thought at the time that he was a little naive, like, these people taking advantage of him, they only want to be around him because of his money and the champ, where really he didn't care. Like, he really didn't care about money. Uh, it, it was, so when she was telling me that story, it was, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I kind of see why she's the way she is. Not that she's fan but Layla's a really, really sweet person. I think sometimes in the public you see her strength, you see that strong woman, and and um, you know she can be intimidating at some as, to certain certain people, but it's for a reason. You know, she's you know she feels like she always has have her guard up. Sometimes you know people know. Like, she's Muhammad Ali's daughter, so sometimes you get men trying to come up to her and use that as an initiative to try to talk to her. So she said that, you know, all those things, just seeing that, you know, she didn't want people to be around her because of her fame. She wanted people to really be around her because of who she is inside. And so, um, cause I, I used to, you know, it used to really trip me out at first, but once she explained that to me, it, it made a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. See why I, I, I... You just mentioned Layla being a a, a private person. And I know Mm -hmm. just from getting to know you, I know you are are that way as well. So I I can't thank you enough for for sharing some of these stories, some of those intimate moments that that you've had. And obviously your history with Layla and how you guys met, I think is just a cool story. I had heard parts of that uh, from you over the course of the last few seasons uh, working with you. But I cannot thank you enough for for spending some time and and telling some stories and, and really just enhancing that legacy Uh, for Muhammad Ali so thank you very much.
1: You know anytime Mike you know anytime you need me brother I'm here.
0: It's just really cool to hear Curtis share some of those stories and some of those memories that he had of Muhammad Ali certainly the last couple weeks and months I think a lot of people have seen the tributes on television or read those articles but really Curtis can offer some perspective that you're just not going to get anywhere else. Hopefully you've been enjoying some of these episodes. Remember, all you have to do is check us out on iTunes. You can continue to subscribe. I'm on Twitter, at Mike underscore Yam. Some fantastic episodes still coming up over the course of the next few weeks. And just remember, you can always pass along if your friends listen to podcasts. uh, Let them know about this one. Some really cool, special stories. And I encourage people to go back to some of those other episodes. Every single show that we do, you're able to basically... Listen to at any point. The material is not really dated. It's just stories from people's careers and uh, their time on the field or away from the field or or even in the broadcast industry. So thank you again for downloading us and subscribing. Always appreciate you reaching out Mike underscore Yam on Twitter or, or on my Facebook page, Mike Yam.